Globally, one in every eight people suffer from a mental disorder. Anxiety and depression affect people from all walks of life, all ages, all ethnicities, and we're here to talk about it. This is the the Quiet Quiet Chaos Podcast. From anxiety to depression, from disorders to marriage, and everything in between, we're talking about it. We're talking about it. Bold, Bold, real, real, raw, and we'll have some fun. Let's do it. This is the Quiet Chaos Podcast. And now your host, author, therapist, international speaker, Jason R. Sullivan. Welcome to the Quiet Chaos Podcast. This is your host, Jason Sullivan, and it is a pleasure to be here. We are almost through with January. It's absolutely insane to think uh, we're 12th through the year already, and December was just, well, it felt like it last week. But whatever, it is uh, it, it is what it is, and February is around the corner. Um, this week, we're taking a break in between series, and we have two great questions, and we have the perfect guest to answer them. Uh, this week, we have a special guest, Mahar Debuse. Uh, this guy, uh, he is the man to know, to know things. Uh, he has about 24 years of experience in enrollment management in universities in the U.S. and the Middle East. He's an entrepreneur, uh, has his bachelor's in business and an MBA. And it's great because the questions we have this week are about education and also a bit of anxiety and some worry about it. So welcome to the show, Maher. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you with us. And uh, we have two questions. Uh, we got two questions this week and our team put them aside uh, and thought you'd be a great fit for them. This week's question is from Terry in Clarksville, Tennessee. Uh, Hi, Jason. I'm really, I really like the podcast. I look forward to it every week. Thank you for the shout out, man. We really uh, appreciate it. Always do. Uh, I'm going to college soon. I want to major in finance and business. I'm a bit worried about applying and getting rejected uh, or what to expect when I'm there. I want to apply to Tennessee Tech. Can you talk about the experience of going to college and what are the ways that I can prepare? I'm worried that I won't make it through in four years. I'm not great at school. Do some people take longer, and is that okay? All right. Well, Terry, we're going to cover that uh, question today, and we're also going to tackle a second one, and this is from Shelley in Tallahassee, Florida. Hello, Jason. My name is Shelley, and I am a student at Florida State. I want to, to work in higher education after I graduate, but I have heard some really bad stories about working in colleges and universities. Our second question is from Shelley. She's in Tallahassee, Florida. Hello, Jason. My name is Shelley, and I'm a student at Florida State. I want to work in higher education after I graduate, but I have heard some really bad stories about working in colleges and universities. What are things that I should look out for? Is burnout a thing? I have a lot of anxiety and I worry that it will affect my work if it's stressful. Thanks, Shelley. Well, Maher, this is is your uh, area of expertise. Indeed it is. Oh, gosh. Okay, I guess we'll start with the first question from... uh, from Terry in Tennessee. Um, I love this question for a couple of reasons. I'm a first-generation university student. I was the first of my siblings 
to attend college. My parents came from the Middle East to the United States. They never attended college. So totally um, could relate to the question Mm -hmm. about having a little bit of anxiety going to school. Um, And I'm also a business major. So congratulations on making a great choice. I think uh, the major itself is is awesome. Um, So, yeah. My experience going to college was a very scary one. Like I said, it was my first time going to college. And I wasn't the greatest in high school. Um, In fact, my freshman year, I was a troublemaker. And (laughs) believe it or not, I must confess, believe it or not, I I got into trouble. I got into trouble as a freshman. I was actually expelled my freshman year of high school. I did not know that. Yeah, believe, believe it or not. So anyone that knows me now that knew me back then are completely wowed at the fact that I made a great career in higher education. So I got expelled from high school my freshman year. My mom, as a, as a punishment, sent me to Syria to my uncles to work construction at the age of 13 or sorry, 14 Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Okay. So most people get grounded. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You get sent to Syria. Well, it's a little more complicated than that. I I was a bad troubled kid because my parents got like divorced when I was like 11 or 12 years old. So when I started high school, I didn't really have a father figure. Mm -hmm. And my mom was like, you know what? You're going to learn what you need. You're going to learn what it takes in order to be successful in life. She shipped me to Syria to work with my uncles. Mm. They own a construction company there. And literally, I was working, making cement pipes for the buildings that they were creating in, in Syria. And um, she sent me there. It was, it was in February. And from February to August... I was working in the construction field and I was like, man, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. I need to get educated. You know, that's the lesson that I learned. Like, I don't want to be um, the person that's making the cement pipe. I want to be the person that's making the buildings. Mm -hmm. Right. So that lesson was probably the biggest lesson that I had in life, which is you need to go back You need to do well in school. So I came back focused and I finished high school in three years, right? But, you know, it wasn't the best of grades, but my GPA went from like 1.6 freshman year to um, a cumulative grade point average of 2.98, which is pretty good. And completing completing high school in like three years. Mm -hmm. So I guess the message to tell you was having anxiety in this case, mm-hmm. it's good, right? Okay. Be- because you use that into a motivation to do well. Mm-hmm. So going into college, mm-hmm. going into college, um, my first, uh, I would say my first semester, I had a lot of anxiety because I was like, man, what is accounting, right? I, what is accounting 101? What is what is PowerPoint? What are all these things I'm being introduced to? I just aged myself, right? <laughs> My kids now are learning PowerPoint in grade school. Um, so anyway, um, 
I had a lot of anxiety. But what I did was I dedicated a lot of my time in my first semester towards studying and using that energy, that anxiety, and I put it straight into the books. So I didn't really go out. I didn't really party. I didn't do any of that stuff. I was kind of like, kind of a self-focused for the first semester. And after I got the hang of things, that's when I became more social. So um, I used my experience as a kid and what I overcame and all of that urgency that I had to, to, to complete high school, I took that and brought it to college. And I used that to focus on doing assignments, not on time, but in advance. So when I did my assignments in advance, so we had a syllabus and the syllabus had like the assignments and the projects, I would start those in advance, mm. even though I didn't really know what I was doing, but I would, it forced me to read and do the assignments in advance. So when the, when the actual lesson took place, I was asking questions well in advance of anyone else because of material I already went through. So I guess... To make it short, I would say try to take your syllabus, use that as a, your guideline to, to be proactive in your learning. Don't procrastinate in your learning. Be proactive in your learning and try to get ahead of the game. That way, when you're in class, you've got edge over the other 20 or 30 or 50 students are in the class because you've already gone through the material and you've actually tried to do an assignment or two in advance. So that's kind of like how I uh, prepared. By the way, I graduated with like my GPA, my undergraduate GPA was 3.55. My graduate GPA was 3.59. So that approach worked for me. Um, I used that negative, or not negative, sorry, that anxious feeling. I used that into positive energy. And that made me be more proactive in my approach for, for studying. So what, what you're telling uh, Terry here is that, one, the anxiety is normal, uh, that fear, the worry about what's coming next. Uh, but also you mentioned something about what you did with the anxiety. That was to begin to put it towards, um, towards preparation. Yeah, I think, you know, honestly, I think anxiety, if you have anxiety, it's a blessing in disguise, right? Because if you know how to use it. So... Some people, they take their anxiety and it becomes a brick wall, while others will take that anxiety and use it as a mechanism to take a proactive approach towards accomplishing your goals, right? And I think anxiety and motivation overlap. That's my, my view. Mm -hmm. People might say to me, oh, man, it seems like you have anxiety. No, it's not anxiety. It's motivation. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, use, use your anxiety to create goals and use that, use your goals to create your anxiety or AKA motivation. Right. Is and, it, and I mean, it's all, it's all, it's just a word at the end of the day. Well, and, and on a, on a physical level, anxiety and motivation actually come from the same part of the brain. And so there's a bit of overlap between the two. Yeah. Uh, and, and so being able to parse it out and to say, okay, you know, my, my body's literally reacting to this idea of something new coming along, some new challenge. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a different decision and really begin to prepare step by step. And so being proactive in a lot of ways 
looking at the syllabus before class starts. Uh, to me, that's uh, that's a brilliant concept. No, and and it's yeah, and it's not just like it's a found. You're what you're doing when you go to college. You're only going to retain what thirty percent what you learn, right? Mm-hmm. But what you're really gaining out of the experience is your ability to create ways of dealing with situations. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a brilliant point. I think uh, I think that's a huge uh, a huge uh, asset that we overlook a lot of times with education. Uh, and I think the other is that it, it's a, a process where we're, we're learning to think. Right, and yeah. you're learning to think, and you're you're also learning how to strategize mm-hmm. and how to approach life in ways that that are hidden. Exactly. Yeah. And that preparation, that ability to stay on top of things, I mean, we call them executive functioning skills, but but I think they, they exist all through life. Because if I don't have that drive later on in my career, or if I haven't learned to hustle uh, through college, then I, I really don't get it later. And I, th- I think you see this with a, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, graduates, a lot of people who are coming down the line, where there's a lot of shock that their their idea of what life would be like after college was really different than their experience. Yeah, and that's why you know it's really important. Like I worked full time. I started working full time actually the moment I started college. So I was, you know, I was always busy, too busy to party. Right. Too busy to to do those type of things. Um, But I think being able to work even that's another really important thing is you have to be able to um, find ways of working and getting yourself introduced into the real world. So by the time you do graduate, you have a taste of what life is really all about. So um, I'm not saying don't go to parties on the weekends or whatever, but. Try to find a balance of introducing yourself, especially if you're majoring in like something like business. It's it's relatively easy to get any type of job, even if it's like working at a call center, um, whatever, whatever it takes. But getting introduced to work while you're in college, definitely very important. Um, and if you're super ambitious, try to work more than 20 hours a week. Well, and I like that because... Really, at the end of the day, there aren't really rules with business. I mean, there are. I mean, we shouldn't like go out and do criminal activities. But, but a, a part of uh, part of being successful, I think, is being uh, not just being prepared, not being willing to just act on it, but having initiative in a way that's um, it's innovative. Yeah. And and so Absolutely. a lot of a lot of work ethic and a lot of good business is not working necessarily harder at the same thing, but really being able to work. Hard in a way that will help people not have to work so hard. Exactly. And, and you know, being able to adapt to change, being able to uh, overcome challenges, these are the real skill sets that you should be trying to seek out. Um, what's in the book is important, don't get me wrong. Sure. But you got you to gotta really invest time in getting introduced to the real world. Now, with uh, uh, Terry's question, where he talks about getting through in four years. Uh, oh, yeah, four years. That's a, that's a, a good question. It's and, a great question. And you might be surprised with the answer. Well, I think that the last that I reviewed this topic was probably around 2019, the 
column that I read on from a national student clearinghouse. The national average, I think back then, was six years, right? Mm-hmm. Was the national average. Mm-hmm. Although some students finish in less than four years. Typically, especially if you're majoring in business, you have to complete 120 credit hours over and 120 credit hours is what you need to complete, right? It could be over four years in which that's what traditional students do, which is 15 credit hours a semester, mm-hmm. which is which is like five classes a semester or two semesters a year. Some students like myself are a little bit more ambitious and will take an extra class each semester and the summer semester, which I did for two and a half straight years. So I finished college in I finished my four-year degree in three years. But again, it, there's a lot of elements that play into it. Number one, some people won't be able to afford education. So they'll have to take 12 credits a semester. Some, some students might run into a situation where they have to take a semester off. But generally speaking, a four-year degree is designed to complete in four years. If you don't complete it in four years, it's not the end of the world. But if you're financially able to, definitely make that your goal. But again, if there's a semester you need to take 12 credits instead of 15, you could always take an extra class depending on how your university, what their policies are. Or you could take a summer semester to make up for any lost ground that you may have lost. So there are options out there. And, and, and I think a lot of times when we're looking ahead at something, uh, in, in our head we make it tougher than it, it really is. Uh, not that college is easy, but at the end of the day, people make it through college. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, people will go to college for a sense of accomplishment. I know I've seen people that have taken eight years to complete their degree. They're just as happy as the student that took four years. Because they accomplished it. So not all of us are put out to be the same. Like some of us have no drama, no elements outside of the classroom that are distracting us. And some of us can complete in four years. Mm -hmm. Some of us are going to be proactive and finish in less time. While others will finish in five years or six years. But guess what? I know people that have finished college in five years that are doing much better than the people that finished college in four years after completing their degree. Now, so now see, I was on, I was on that longer track. Uh, <laughs> were you? Yeah. I did not do it in four years. Oh. Uh, I took the scenic route and uh, it was good. I, I don't regret it. I learned quite a bit from it actually, but I think the older I've gotten, even in doing my doctorate now, uh, my focus is different. And that ability to, to engage, the ability, as you were saying earlier, to, to be really proactive, uh, to take anxiety and to use that in a, in a very motivated way, it's been helpful. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, and yeah, I mean, it's all about, it, it's all about taking something that's a negative and turning it into a positive. So the way I see anxiety, it's such a gift and a blessing. When someone has like anxiety about a topic and they know how to use that anxiety and channel that 
anxiety and funnel it into something positive, that's like the best gift that one can have. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, anxiety is anxiety is a gift. It is. It, it, it to a degree it is. Uh, yeah. You know, sometimes we have uh, you know higher levels, and uh, I mean, you look worldwide. And I was reading the other day. Uh, I think twenty twenty two, the overall economy worldwide lost a trillion dollars due to anxiety disorders because of the paralyzing effect that it's had on people. And and so there are extremes with anxiety, but I think what you're talking about really is that that overcoming sense where you feel intimidated, you feel a little, what's happening next? And then you push into it. Yeah, and it's natural. It's totally natural. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, uh, is it okay? Well, Terry, <clears throat> I think it is. Uh, if it takes you a little longer, uh, I made it through. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I remember my, my senior year in college, uh, just before I, I turned in my dissertation. Uh, and uh, not only did I have an anxiety disorder, uh, I was also definitely not the best student on the planet. And so my uh, senior thesis was supposed to take a semester to write. I met weekly with uh, my supervisor, and I didn't write anything for the entire semester. Uh, he encouraged me to take the, the course again the next semester. <laughs> and I said, no, 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 I, I think I can do it. And he said, well, you got, you got like three days. Like, it, it, it's Friday. It's due on Monday. Like, are you, I don't think you can do that. You don't even have a rough draft. And I said, well, I think I got it. And so I went home. I, I think I had a lot of caffeine. Uh, for some strange reason, I was really motivated. Go figure. Uh, and I turned it in on Monday. It was about 50 pages. Uh, and I, I've made it through. And, and what I learned, though, was that, yes, you know, it's doable in three days. But your quality of life after that three days isn't that high because you're recovering. Uh, now, as I've grown a lot, and, and actually, you know, Maher, you and I both worked in, in the education field for a long time. Um, we've also had experience with students who have struggled, and, and uh, they've been intimidated and worried as well. Yeah, it's part of the game. I think so. So, Terry, I hope that helps. Uh, if it, if you want more, let me know. Email me, message me on IG. I because I, I really do like this topic, and I think it's one that's really, really important. So thank you so much for, for sending that question in. Now we're going to move to Shelly. Oh, Shelly. Shelly, Shelly, Shelly. Well, it's awesome that you're at Florida State. Uh, so good, yeah. uh, great place. Uh, it's, a, it's a great university, and... Uh, and I'm excited. I think there's a lot of uh, great potential out there in higher ed, uh, but I do think there are challenges. And uh, Maher, you and I both, we've had ups and downs in education. Uh, what would you give uh, as advice? What would you offer Shelly as she's looking forward? Boy, education, working in the higher education sector. I was accidentally introduced to the higher education sector. <laughs> I saw, I, had, I, had, I saw, a, I was a student at the university I attended, Robert Morris University in Illinois. I saw a sign that said, now hiring, 
admissions uh, recruiter. And then underneath it, it said free tuition benefit. I'm like, whoa, I'm going to apply for that job. So I got that job. That's how I was introduced to higher education. So I think this rule applies to just about any sector, right? There's always good and bad stories working for any company or any sector. Um, you know, there's always going to be company politics. Um, you know, there's always going to be turnover. Um, you know, there, there are going to be all types of different challenges in, in different types of industries. And higher education is not immune Mm-hmm. To 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 uh, to any of the bad stories, if you will, that you would hear in any other job. So first, congratulations. I think Shelley. I mean, working in higher education could be extremely lucrative if you're there for the right reason. Um, are you going to make as much money in higher education as you can in industries outside of higher education? Possibly, if you build your career and move up high enough to do so, but you you have to be. Um, I think, especially in the initial phases, you have to be in it for the right reasons. You know, so whatever that reason may be, if you if you like helping people, then you're probably going to have a great career in higher education, and it'll help you also overcome some of the bad things that you hear about the industry. Um, but again, you, whatever bad stories that you hear about colleges, you're going to hear about those similar stories at Google, Microsoft, and all the other major companies that exist. At the end of the day, if there's politics or uh, you know trends that are going uh, against the industry, for example, higher education does face industry t- trends, especially if you work in the admissions offices uh, that are going against against us as professionals. Um, Something that uh, is well-documented during the great, what they call the Great Recession, basically from 2008 to 2014, um, when we had the housing crash and and the the Great Recession, we had a really bad recession during these years. Uh, Families had less children, basically, right? Mm -hmm. And the birth rate nationally and even globally went down significantly. So the population growth rate declined. Now, fast forward to 2026, all of these uh, babies are now becoming young adults. And institutions you know, have the resources to, to educate a lot more students that are going to be coming in. Mm-hmm. That's the reality. You can't fight population growth rates. So, there are, there's going to be a, a decline in, in university enrollments uh, that, that has already actually started from, I think it was like 2017 or 18 mm-hmm. at the U.S. And it's going to accelerate uh, from 2026 to 2032. So it's creating more of a stressful environment. It's creating more of a stressful environment at at universities, uh, not just uh, in the United States, but everywhere else. So, you know, just to give you a kind of oversight of what we're heading towards in the next decade, uh, it's 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 going to be a little bit more challenging. And 
you know, universities will probably have to take a more proactive recruit. Uh, uh, more universities now will probably have to take more of a. Universities will now have to take more of a proactive approach to to uh, not just recruiting students but also retaining students. And the reach is beyond uh, the United States now. Universities also want to diversify and recruit from from. From other countries, and actually, I think that's the exciting part of our industry. It is right. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, one of the one of the most exciting things, and I used to love this, is when uh, working with uh, international students coming in for internships. Uh, yeah, so much fun uh, because you're you're sharing in some of their experience. Um, they're sharing in the experiences of whichever country they're they're coming to and and engaging with. And, and they get a clearer picture of not only uh, what the field looks like, but also uh, that the world's a little bigger than they had thought before. And, uh, I think it's a very sobering thing for people to have uh, a good diversified experience. Uh, yeah. It's an exciting thing because I think we need it for sure. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, is burnout a thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. Burnout is a thing. Um, when I... There was a phase in my life right before I decided to work overseas in the United States where I was putting in 16 hours a day. I was 24 years old. I was managing or I was uh, basically overseeing enrollment at three branch campuses for the University of Phoenix in Illinois. At the time we had campus in Chicago, a campus in a couple of suburbs, in a couple of suburbs. And um, I was putting in a lot of time, and it was starting to reflect in my physical appearance. You know, I wasn't going to the gym. I was gaining weight. Yes, I was doing great. Yes, I was being extremely successful. But, you know, I learned really quick that I was burning out. And when you burn out, it's... Um, how can I say it? The only thing you're thinking about night, day, when you go to sleep, the second you wake up, and even on some weekends is work. Those are big signs of burnout. And at the time, it's like, you know, I decided like, all right, I've been working so hard and I've done really well. And I was making great money at a really young age. Um, I decided to stay in the field, of course, but redirect where I was working and choosing other places to work for, which was the best decision I ever made, by the way, because it allowed me to find the right fit, the company where I could balance my time um, and, and things of that nature. So that's kind of what you know, motivated me to work overseas. And I worked overseas for like, 15 years and now I'm heading back home. I don't know where, (laughs) but I'm, 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 uh, you know, I'm starting to explore other opportunities in the States. So, um, but I've had a great, I got to tell you, I've had a great run in the field of higher education in the United States, as well as overseas and burnout is a thing. So it's not as much of a thing in today's day and age than it was 
back in the early 2000s. Mm. I think in I think the industry today understands that work-life balance is a to be valued. I think what we went through during COVID and working from home introduced us to you know, remote work and having opportunities to you know, potentially not be in the office every single day. Um, I know a lot of places now where, you know, the work week is three days and then the other two days you're working from home. So I think that reduces uh, burnout in a lot of different ways, but a lot of burnout is self-imposed. Oh, absolutely. I think you're spot on. Yeah. And I think I, I was too motivated to be successful in my career and I got promoted early in my career, and that created a monster, a production monster. All I cared about was getting results at work, right? Because I was so successful. And yes, hard work pays off, but there comes a point where you could only do so much to be so successful. And when you reach that pinnacle, it doesn't mean you have to go down. You could continue to rise, but you have to rise in other elements of your life, which is your mental and physical health. Because if you don't have those two elements, you're not going to have enough energy to continue on your success in the long run. I, I think that uh, and that's a, I couldn't agree more with you on this point, man. I a lot of times we we put so much pressure on ourselves to to move forward that we we don't have sustainable goals. So maybe I can have periods of time where I am on fire and accomplishing, but that come down when it when it really if starts to take hold, uh, your body rebels. I mean, it, you, your uh, cortisol levels increase, which means you're going to be achier. You're going to have uh, a weakened immune system to some degree. Uh, because your body's just tired, and and so uh, you will literally feel it in your bones. Uh, career is a trade-off, uh, always, always is a trade-off. And when we put career at the top of the list, sometimes we're we're a little disappointed uh, with the outcomes because no matter how committed we are to a a, a business, uh, that that. Uh, Dependence or loyalty uh, is dependent not just on the business, but so many factors and variables as well. And so, if the economy crashes, or like you're talking about, the the uh, uh, enrollment rates are decreasing, see that can have a big impact impact on your performance as well. And so, self care is a huge important thing. Travel, see the world a little bit. Absolutely, right? Absolutely. And you know, when I when I found when I found the right opportunity. And I, I did find a, a couple of great opportunities later on in my career. I was able to use my extra energy to do exactly what Jason was saying, travel. I started, I became a big, huge fan of the gym, physically became much more healthier. I look much, much better. I feel better about myself. Not only that, I also invested some time in work, but not work within the industry. And that's kind of like when the when the U.S. market crashed, I was lucky enough not to be working at a place that demanded 14 or 12 or 10 hours a day, right? 
they only required the eight hours a day. So I was going to the gym, doing my eight hours a day at work. And then when the real estate crashed, market crashed, I did something I was always passionate about, which is, you know, researching real estate. I was researching real estate as a hobby from, from like the age of 19. But when the real estate market crashed, I had the time to, and, and by then I had the skill set to, to, to take action and, and go in and purchase some properties, right? And again, I, if I was working 12 hours a day at one institution, I wouldn't have that time. So make sure that, you know, if you're working at an institution, make sure it's the right institution to work for that values work-life balance. Um, that's a key. Um, and you won't get burnout. Absolutely. You won't get burnout if, if you have a good work environment. And, and another thing that I think is important, and I see this more nowadays than uh, when you and I were young, <laughs> which, is, which is getting a well, long, it seems like yeah. it's getting longer and longer ago yeah. than we were young. Yeah. Uh, and that is that promotions don't work similar as similar as they used to. In other words, uh, a long time ago, you might start with one company, one university, and then you'd retire from the same place. They give you a nice plaque, uh, a nice gold mm-hmm. watch, and then you would just fade off into the sunset. And now careers are more laterally based. And so you might have a position for a while in one university and then you take an offer at another company or university. And, and a, lot of, a lot of promotions happen that way nowadays. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely the trend. And that's the good news about higher education. There are a lot of professionals that are leaving the industry, which means great things for people that are still in the industry. Because in the past, you need to have like 15, 20 years of work experience to be in senior level positions. Now, you know, for someone that's actually seeking work outside of or, or back back home in the United States, I notice it's like more in the five to 10 year range. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, it's okay to move from one institution to another if it's for the right reasons, such as the next path in your career. There, there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's actually, ne- it's necessary in a lot of cases. Um that if you want to grow in your career, you have to be mobile, willing to move around uh, from institution to another. Um, although I, I will say this, title is not always everything. Impact is. So if you are in an environment where, for example, I was a director at a university for 15 years, right? I would never in my life have stayed so long with a place if I did not have a positive impact. And the feeling is mutual, right? A place won't keep you in your role um, if you're not making a positive impact, especially at a management level. So um, it's not always about title as much as it is impact. Are you still helping advance the institution in your role? Um, are, do you have something concrete that could prove that you have? Like, like data. Um, and if you do, then, you know, sometimes the money will follow because you've, you've done a great job and it's well documented. So, um, yeah, I mean, don't, don't, don't drive yourself crazy and overthinking the situation where don't, don't drive yourself to a point and overthink your situation where 
you feel that you have to get promoted in order to be successful, because it's not always the case. And the sad truth is, sometimes people have titles uh, because they're at the right place at the right time, um, or they have a good relationship with, you know, their 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 supervisor, and their supervisor got promoted, and then they. They, they get promoted. So there's a lot of different reasons to get promoted, but don't worry about promotion as much as you can worry about impact. Because at the end of the day, it's impact that matters. Yeah, the, the impact is definitely at the core. Uh, university work is a rewarding thing. It's an exhausting thing too, um, because there are multiple sides. I mean, just like with any business that you go into, any work that you do, um, not only do you have limits, uh, but there are going to be stressors, and and it will go through stressful periods. Uh, yeah, stressful anxiety. Everyone, everyone in the field of higher education has stress and anxiety. That's a very common thing. Now, what you do again? It goes back to the earlier story. What you do with that? stress and anxiety and your ability to make it hopefully into something that could be funneled into a concrete plan for setting goals and accomplishing goals. Uh, that's, that's really what it's all about. So yeah, anxiety is definitely going to be in the, in the, in the game. And if you're not worried, if you're not worried about your job, then I'm worried about you. <laughs> what do you mean? Go into that a little bit. Well, I mean, if you're, you know, I, I'll, I've hired people all over the world and I'll take, I've hired people all over the world and I'll take the person that's worried uh, about being successful any day over Joe Cool. And so like worrying more in the sense of, of being aggressive on top of it, having initiative, like worried, like people, people. If you have anxiety at work, mm-hmm. it's probably because you care about your job. This is how I see it. Okay, it's probably because you care about your job, and I think that's an outstanding trait. And one of the great traits to being successful in your role is caring, right? That's that's what I was going to ask yeah. because there's there's a difference, and I think that you see this a lot with with employment. Uh, there's there's a fear of losing your job, and as opposed to a fear of 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 um, excelling in your job or not excelling in your job. Mm-hmm. And and those are two really different features. They're both features. And I, ironically enough, they're, they're both two different features, but they could also both be channeled into mm-hmm. creating motivation to okay. be successful. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, uh, you are working in a company, uh, whether it's a university, whether it's, uh, yeah. Any business on the planet, it's it's a it's a business, uh, and and there's nothing wrong with that. That's how it it's designed yeah. to be. Even if it's a state university, uh, you know, state universities have budgets, and state universities have to justify how uh, what the result of the state investment is. Exactly. So it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you work for you, you got to have the understanding that. No place is going to be too comfortable. And if it is, it's probably not the right place for you. Because if you get too comfortable at your job, you're you're limiting yourself in your in your growth as a person and a professional. And I think that's where balance becomes a big factor. Uh, because you do want things that motivate you, push you forward. Stress comes with that. Um, because stress is a big 
indicator that it's an important thing. Uh, and there's good stress, and then there's just unhealthy stress. Uh, and I think we're talking about the healthy stress, uh, the thing that pushes you. But when you start experiencing those signs of burnout, whether it's your attention span decreases, maybe you're forgetting 100 things in a day. Uh, emails are difficult. Uh, if you're getting 100, 150 emails, even if it's 20 emails, sometimes when you're tired, you're burned out. Uh, these are things that uh, really you, be, you, you feel them slip a bit. But balance and pace, I think any field, uh, it really does come down to that. And we worry about investing in our future, but I think we also have to work on investing now. Yeah. So if you are, you know, if you're looking ahead at a promotion or you're looking ahead at uh, an increase in salary, you have to look at being okay when you get it. Sometimes it's worth a wait, maybe six months, maybe a year. But yeah. you do it at your pace. Right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I remember my first promotion was so early, right? And that was probably the worst thing that could have came or happened to me. It was I was around 20 years old, and I was promoted to be a supervisor for the call center at a college. And it was... It was great, but also it set the bar for me to do it again, get promoted again, get promoted again. And uh, with that comes a lot of stress that is self-imposed. And in the long run, you know, it's not worth it. It is because you, you, the higher up you go in any field, okay, the hours on your, your job descriptions say the same, but the responsibility and, and the fact that you may not hold those hours uh, becomes a bit more realistic. Yeah. Uh, so you may be paid for 40 hours and some overtime, but um, you'll have a tendency to carry some of that home with you. Absolutely. And drawing a line and saying, uh, I, I, I work for 40 hours a week and I just got to turn it off. Uh, you can't do it 100% of the time, but it also can't be a regular thing. You can't always be burning on both ends of the candle. Yeah. So I would say, Shelley... Uh, long and short of it is this, uh, you're going to be fine. Uh, it's good that you're, you're concerned now. I think that's a, it's actually a, a good indicator that you're on the right track. Um, feeling anxious, again, with any type of, of job or uh, prospect of, of employment in the future, is, it's, it's normal. Yeah, uh, and absolutely. Things get complicated, but at the end of the day, uh, nothing isn't going to be doable. There's always a workaround. There's always a way through it maintaining good communication with your with your supervisor with your director with your dean with your vice president with your president whoever uh, you're reporting to as you go forward that's a helpful thing well guys it has been uh, a fun topic and uh, maher thank you so much no thanks this is totally fun totally fun good questions thank you shelly and and terry and and thanks jason for having me this was fun and we'll have to have you back again, and we'll dive into other areas. We have a lot of good areas. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lots of horror stories to share. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So, guys, uh, we are going to be working on we're, – we're actually in the process of working on the next series. We're going to do an, a, another three-part series on forgiveness. Uh, we've covered uh, overcoming trauma. And we're going to be diving into forgiveness. There's definitely uh, an intentional link between those two topics. And uh, we've got some great guests coming up. 
and keep uh, keep sending those messages in. Uh, it is uh, it's so much fun. Uh, I will be saying this uh, until uh, I'm 90 years old. Uh, I love uh, reading the uh, the messages you guys send. They're so so good. Uh, the questions you guys have are phenomenal. And uh, we will be back next week, up and running, ready to go. And it's been so much fun. Thanks again, Mahar. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Good luck. All right. This is Jason signing out. You've been listening to the Quiet Chaos Podcast. Our passion is to talk about anxiety, depression, and disorders, and answering tough questions, but having fun doing it. Coming at you with facts, interviews, hard-to-discuss topics, and a little bit more rebellious than your typical mental health show. We hope you've enjoyed it. Make sure to like, rate, and review, and we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on Instagram at QuietChaosKW. Remember, there is hope even when your brain tells you there isn't. See you next time on the Quiet Chaos Podcast.